sounds fun. Follow your cart. Get the ember. Love it. And welcome to Keyforge Premier League Weekly. This is Jupiter, aka Fifth Planet Keyforge, from Manlius, New York, with my esteemed co-host. Hey guys, it's Jazzcore, my guy. Um, but uh, yeah, so we've been doing Noob School the last two episodes. I think it's been going pretty well. Um, there's still so much more we could be talking about in mid-game. That was like mm -hmm. one that I felt like like we just started to scratch the surface. There's a lot there, but. Um, you know, we didn't want to overkill it, so we kind of moved on from it. But uh, this week, we're going to be looking at talking about Endgame. But before we do that, let's uh, we got some announcements to uh, put out. And the number one announcement is that Archon's Corner is running an event. It's called Keyforge Live. It's going to be on July 23rd to the 25th um, at a Sheraton in Milwaukee. Um, it's going to be Archon Survival, Sealed MM, a, a nice team event. Um, if you want to hear more about it, go check out the latest Archon's Corner podcast uh, for more details. And I know Drazcore is super excited about this. I, I really want yeah. to go, but I don't think I'm going to be able to. That's unfortunate. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm working it. I'm trying to, trying to find my way out there. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, plane ride and hotel and all that, but chance to play live Key Forge with uh, folks over and Archon's Corner and from just all over. It's uh, something we haven't had in a long time, so um, yeah. it seems pretty exciting. And again, it's another um, instance of community running Keyforge, right? <laughs> like, uh, it's mm -hmm. it, it's like if, uh, if we're not going to get what we can get from where we should be getting it, we're going to make it happen. Um, why is the community the best? Because of that. Because, like, we actually just care about the game so much. Like, uh, the and Archon's Corner has been a staple through all of this, and like um, the people that it seems like the people that are doing it are doing it, and like now there's more and more people starting to do it, and it's like all still just so unified and so awesome. You have Swindle, you have um, like um, you know our Keyforge Premier League. We're starting qualifiers. Uh, speaking of on Saturday, best of one Archon, no restrictions, 11 a.m. East. EDT and 9 p.m. EDT is the second one. We're doing a double header because we want to uh, get APAC a fair shake. Um, and we've seen lots of people joining the server, which I'm assuming are from APAC. And thank you, Andy Ming. Um, special shout out for you because um, he turned our flyer into like Chinese so that they could actually uh, read it and stuff. And um, I think that's made a huge difference. Um, and he's been kind of the proactive guy over there for us. And I know there's a lot of great um, Chinese advocates in Hong Kong and stuff like that that help us out. So thank you to all of you, and um, I'm excited for that. But um, yeah, there's just oh, like so yeah, more more international folks is good. So that's mm -hmm. exciting. Yeah, and we have Code Nine. Code Nine is up and running. Um, exciting there. Um, they've been doing it for a while as well. Um, and there's lots of other leagues that are kicking off now too. There's a casual causal, causal loop um, with Seb from the UK. Um, there's like um, which ones am I? I? I'm forgetting a whole bunch of them. Like that What's I should ABR? be. ABR. Yeah. Oh, there's ABR. Yep. Uh, yep. I yep. took a, I took a break from ABR. Um, I know that there's a Polish league that's running. There's a, a, a league in uh, Sweden that is running as well. Um, I don't know the actual names of those leagues, but uh, 
you know, there's just so much Keyforge in the world happening. Uh, Hong Kong has been killing it with, um, you know, setting up their own versions of organized play and stuff and uh, trophies and the whole deal. So um, I, uh, the Australian Keyforge League, um, it's something that's happening as well. Cloggins and uh, Anxious Pirate kicking, kicking butt over there. Um, there's just so many places to play Keyforge. And if you're not playing online and, and enjoying it, um, hopefully you're starting to kick off because today was my first day going to the store and actually getting to play with my friends again. So um, I was excited. I saw the, the core four is what we call ourselves. And like uh, we played Keyforge. I played four games tonight, won all four of my games, um, played with Shaman Van Eck, my Dark Tidings uh, combo deck. And I played with X-Peters because they wanted to see a top level deck because they were asking what it would look like. And I said, okay. And you showed them. I did, I did. Um, that's yeah. really cool though to get get it back together. I was I was mentioning right before the podcast that my guy, my local store, is thinking he's going to open again the game room at least in July. So hoping hoping in that time frame to get some in person play. All right. So for our our normal pregame banter before we get into endgame, um, the question of the week and well the day a couple minutes ago I told them this is what the question was going to be, but best card so far in dark tidings from your experience and what you've been playing what do you think that card is and why oh yeah so i should have been using this time to to think about this right okay i can go first if you want i don't uh, mind i i one came well two actually came to mind one i've played one i haven't played but want to play with that came to mind i don't know if they're actually the best but uh, i'll start with the one i i've played Mm -hmm. uh and that's uh chronophage so let's say it's a three power logos creature. Uh, it's a rare. It says your opponent's creatures and artifacts gain Omega. So basically you're super slowing down your opponent if you can protect this guy and uh, stalling them out. So if they have to play a creature or an artifact, their turn's over. And that type of disruption is just pretty powerful. Um, um, it can be killed, right? So uh, that you know there could be certainly there's ways around it but uh, the the level of disruption of this card versus a lot of other cards pr- pretty strong that's the first one that came to my mind when you asked the question that's interesting um that's one that i had high expectations for too like when we were first talking about the set but um mm-hmm. the, as i've been playing and i've played a couple of different chronophage decks like i haven't found one that where i feel it's like taken over a game as much as i thought it would um because it's only three power doesn't really have any kind of evasiveness or like um protection so it tends to just die like it just tends to die like really quickly um if it gets sticks to board it's it's powerful just like like uh cop or k-a-u-p-e however you guys uh, pronounce that but i I go with cop no i I go with cop um but uh like like a cop out kind of thing but like uh, that card is really great if it gets behind like um that seven power taunt creature um the seabringer whatever it is um you know like it can get pretty powerful but it still dies pretty pretty well like there's a lot of creature control and stuff and um in the set, I think, like, um, and in the better decks and stuff, that like it just makes it hard for those kind of creatures to stick and make a big impact. Um, but I, I can re- still respect the amount of power that they put, they the potential power that they have if they're not dealt with, right? They're kind of like witches. Right. I think the most, I think the most broken creature that can really warp the game if not dealt with in it right now in the set, um, 
obviously it's Chelonia, right? Like, um, I think mm. uh, uh, hunting which yeah. uh, hunting which with elusive is kind of just disgusting. But um, away from like the obvious of that, like you know, untamed and shenanigans and stuff. Like uh, one of the like more tactful like control cards that I really really like that uh, I think still has a lot to show is uh, Tanwa of the Glow. Oh yeah, um, I'm a, yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that card. Um, that card seems pretty fun and stuff. But my what I think is the most busted card in the set, and the one that I like to see the most, is not okay. a creature. It is a, it is an action. Okay. Um, it is on the level to me from the way I've been experiencing it. At least it feels like control of the week. Like it feels that kind of good. Um, and that card is brain drain. Um, okay. Okay. It is quietly like one of the most like empowering cards I think that you can play at this point like i don't know like i have a lot of decks that have three of them and so like um i'm getting one early i get one mid game i get one late game it's like it can close the game out because you can check to see if there's anything in their hand that can stop you you get rid of it if there is if there is a way to stop you can you navigate around it like the information that you get from brain drain and the ability to put a card away and kind of just shuck it off to the side and then when you follow it up with things like thalassophobia or or like a maelstrom to really bury the cards that you want to get out of the way like um um, like they just have so many tools and unfathomable that make brain drain so amazing. Um, but it's it all like even a turn one brain drain can really crimp a person's like initial flow. So like um, I, I, I cards has just been all star for me. And like the more I play it, the more I fall in love with it. And um, I don't know if it's the popular pick, but um, I'm gonna say that that card is pretty insane. Um, yeah, it's it's for sure good. You know I. I wouldn't have guessed you were about to say brain drain, but I do really <laughs> like brain drain. You know, yeah. I think, you know, getting the look at your opponent's hand, that's a lot of information, right? So you can sort of figure out, okay, what should I shouldn't do based on that, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and you get an to, amber pip. Yeah, you get an amber, right? You can, uh, oh, hey, I'm going to take away or put on top of their deck doorstep to heaven so I can just birth like crazy this turn, mm -hmm. or I'm going to remove their, their board clear. So, um uh you know or or i see they have all these board clears uh they have you know so maybe i'm just i'm not gonna play a bunch of dudes or i'm gonna just reap it out or you know give you more more information right yeah it's, well uh, i was playing against, i was playing against my opponent tonight with my shaman van Eck deck and um mm -hmm. i basically was like on my turn i looked at my hand and i was like i gotta like you know he had like uh four or five different creatures on the board and like um in one house uh, it was untamed and i i was looking at the board and i was like hmm i was like i'm gonna maelstrom because i have it in hand i have a brain drain maelstrom those are only two unfathomables but i can reap with the yeah. with the two unfathomables i have on the table because that's all i had and then i can uh i can i can just you know hit this maelstrom and uh it'll tempo him down a bit but let me brain drain first to see what's in his hand so i made brain drain his hand and he's loaded with like five more dinosaurs in his hand and uh, nothing really that's going to hurt me, right? But definitely, like, a hand that says, I'm going to play dinosaurs because the dinosaurs are going to come along. So what I did is I, uh, I took out the ostracize that was there and, like, basically put it back on top of his deck. And then, basically, I was like, I'm going to let him play the dinos. And he's going to draw the ostracize, and that's fine stuff. Like, I'll deal with that later. Like, you know, there's nothing I care about ostracizing in that deck, really, creature-wise. So, like, I was like, I'm going to put the ostracize on the deck and make him feel like he can play dinos. And if he plays dinos, I got some bait there. And then, like, I can go on, you know, whatever, and see what he does with the thing. Because, um, 
you know, like, let's see what happens. So, like, and then I gave him the thing, and then instead of playing the Maelstrom, I just held it. Yep. <laughs> right? And then, like, the yep. next turn, the next turn, he ba- he fell right into it and, like, played all these dinosaurs, and so now he has all these, like, random creatures mm-hmm. on the board, like, literally, like, 10 to 12 creatures, and I have two unfathomable creatures, so at my turn, I go, I'll be unfathomable, and uh, I'll attack that, and I'll attack that, kill my creatures, <laughs> maelstrom the rest of the creatures to the top of your deck, and from there, he never caught back up. Like, not even maelstrom. a chance. Yeah. Not even a chance. But um, that's Maelstrom the kind of... is definitely one of those cards that I... it's really strong, right? Being able mm-hmm. to slow down, gum up your opponent's works. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just it just feels good. It feels better than I than I expected. It's two chains, but like so worth it. Like mm-hmm. yeah, it's so good. But that's that's like why I think I love brain drain so much is because it like really helps you to like if you're a thinking person like and you're like trying to plot, like it just helps you navigate so well. Um, and especially in multiples. Um, and it gives you an amber pip no matter what. Like so, you're getting amber and information every time you play Brain Drain. Even if you don't do anything cool combo wise with it, you're still able to like get information that's super valuable. Especially like when you're, I think at the higher levels, I think Brain Drain will be even more important. But um, I could be wrong. Like uh, like I said, Maelstrom kind of empowers it. Like um, Thalassophobia. I play it with Thalassophobia, which is a, a rare. Mm. So like um, that's kind of a, just a lucky thing that I got a three Brain Drain Mal. You know, Maelstrom thalassophobia with uh you know one turn kill and logos if uh, i forge a key at the beginning of turn i can basically data forge and think twice but um starting to learn that's good yeah i'm starting i'm starting to learn that sometimes playing think twice on other things is even better like um like a brain drain or a maelstrom but uh like uh it's, i don't know it's just it's just an interesting card and i think brain drain is just a great enabling card it's a great card used to close games out like it's just super versatile um plays kind of like like i said kind of like when i say control of the week i'm not saying it's as powerful as control of the week there's no such card but like um i think <laughs> i think that um like the impact that it has on the game feels like a lot like it you know what i'm saying like as far as yeah. like um there yeah. it's it, it can be played almost any time and there's going to be a value to it you know what i mean so. But I could see it being in, of increasing value the more you have, right? Mm-hmm. Where if you've got three, four of them, mm-hmm. uh, now you can you can play them on subsequent turns and just keep moving cards around, keep forcing your opponent into subpar turns. Mm-hmm. Um, A lot like Control of the Week. It's pretty good, right? So, anyway, so I think that I think that's uh, enough of our, our pregame banter. Let's get into this closing out the game. Let's uh, let's close out this podcast. Uh, <laughs> get, get into it. <laughs> no, just kidding. Wow, we have to get into it first. But yes, yes, close it out. Right? Let's close so, out this series. How's that? Like, right, well, let's do it. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So right, last time we talked about the mid game. This is where you're really uh, building up an advantage, right? And so so here's where the hammer's going to fall and you're going to take advantage of whatever the closer is in your deck in order to to win the game. And I think, you know, this is where I think early on when I first started playing, I I focused a lot on the mid game and maybe didn't focus enough on, on the end game where I was like, oh, well, this deck can do this cool thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't always necessarily have something that I was building towards something that would definitively lock down the game for me. Mm-hmm. So sometimes at the end, it would just turn into sort of a back and forth, right? I take you off check, you take me off check, and then uh, and I had a lot of games early on that went that went like that. Mm-hmm. But the more you think about closing out the game, locking it down, what are you building towards? How are you gaining that huge advantage to more often than not get you that victory? 
that's really going to help you. Yeah, so at what point, basically, what we're saying is at what point do, does your deck transition from mid-game to, to closing the game? Um, so uh, I think an important part in this definition of this theory, right, is that, like, in your mid-game is basically what you're playing the bulk of, right? Like, you're, you're setting up, you're, you're getting amber, you're making keys and stuff like that. But at some point, you have to be able to turn your deck up a notch and basically get the game done. Um, and that's something that a lot of decks, like 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 mid-tier decks and stuff like that, and decks that sometimes people go, oh, you know, they see something cool and they go, oh, you know, this is going to be great. Like, oh, Martian Generosity with Ganka, like, you know, with, uh, with Key Abduction, this is going to be awesome. It's not as awesome if you don't don't have like proliferators and 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 things like mars first to like really empower it it's also not awesome if you don't have archiving tools um and stuff like that because like just because you draw and can make one key with a martian generosity doesn't mean that Mar that deck is going to be good um because it's just like making a key anyway right like uh, if it's not the, the the closer it doesn't matter and if you can't get to that closing it doesn't matter like um and so what we're looking for is in this is that your mid game is a smooth process of making your first two keys or maybe your first key and stuff like that and then at that point your deck accelerates into this thing that basically closes out the game for you and basically gets you the win that you're looking for and there's a lot of different ways decks can do that and that's what we're here to highlight Mm -hmm. and, and you know one of those big ways is you know the thing you just mentioned a key cheat right and and sort of what you're hinting at there was that key cheating for your third key is a lot stronger than key cheating for your, your second key or your first key right? mm -hmm. because you, know, you can't really answer a key cheat and when you forge your third key you win right so maybe that's obvious but but to your point about um, using the Genka early, if you can't get back to it, right? Then you've you've used your end game before before the end game, right? So having ways to sort of save stuff, having ways to um, get to these things at the end. Maybe you have multiple key cheats can be can be real powerful, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so, I. And then it's like it's like saying when you're when you're looking at a card and you're tagging it in your deck, like when you're like making your plans for how you're going to play your deck and what kind of lines you want to find. If you find that like most of the time the deck is using a key cheat to make your second key, then you you can't consider that a closing, a closing thing, like uh, because it means your your deck can't get to that that level, right? That power. It's you basically at that point, what happens is you're, you're using it as a mid game catch up mechanic, right? Like a, a mechanic that's going to get you back in the game most likely. And um, I think that means that your deck is, is suffering a little bit most of the time, or you're just playing against a great deck and you're basically in, in, in a conundrum to where uh, you guys are going to be messing with each other the whole time. So, and, and that all happens, but sure. what are some of your favorite key cheats? Well, I mean, so there's, maybe I'll just start with the, the easiest and most <laughs> obvious, right? So, Key Charge and and Chota Hazri are, um, you know, probably maybe the classic, the, the easiest, right? You just sacrifice one Ember in order to fire them off. Um, so it's really paying seven Ember for a key, which is uh, not uh, not too bad, not too bad a cost for that instant uh, that instant victory, right? And so, uh, you know, one of the things sometimes you're looking for in in these uh these big untamed burst decks is hey can you with this lineup can you basically play out seven ember uh in one turn right and maybe you don't always have to right maybe you forge for enough where you have a few left over um but uh but identifying that you have it right either through dust pixies or hey i've got enough 
big dudes I'm likely to be able to, to reap or some cool action cards or you know, nature's call is a great way to, to, to generate a whole bunch of ember. Um, if you've got pips on your dudes, right. Um, getting to that seven ember and forging just, just feels so good. feels so classic Coda in, in many ways. Yeah. Like, uh, I think that is the original, like the OG key chart, like, uh, mm-hmm. Chota nature's call combo. Um, that was like the OG, like super easy to pull off key charge and stuff like that. Um, I think some, um, in that first set as well, like we had some really bad, uh, key cheats right um i can't remember what the name of it um was but the skeleton key or whatever it was called like oh uh no uh key of darkness key of darkness yeah that thing was trash uh and so like that's that it is a it is a key cheat but most of the time it's never gonna have value like i've never seen a a deck where i was like wow that was really impressive like you know you might get it once in a blue moon but it's not one that's made to be effective right um and that's kind of a trap right because you look at it if you're a new player and you're just like oh it's a key cheat it's got to be good right um and uh i was it's like no it's just not right like uh and as you play um as you play the the games and the decks and you see it and stuff like that, you, you know, like there was like, I think one deck I had that played key of darkness relatively well, but it was still bad. Like it just because it works sometimes, like it works in some decks, it doesn't make it good. Um, the you can't value, count on it. Right? Yeah, that, yeah. That's why it's not a good closer. Right. Cause, cause if you at face value, I think it's what you have to pay an extra sixth. Right. So face value, you have to pay 12 Ember to forge mm-hmm. unless your opponent has no Ember. So, yeah. Can you really count on getting to twelve to forge as your closer? I I wouldn't bet on that. Right. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's part of, and that's part of the reason too why um a lot of like really good players will if they're watching your game and critiquing you and this is something I, I learned kind of after the fact when I was doing it, is that if you key charge for your second or first key you're effectively taking one amber off the board for yourself like um there's no reason for you to ever like if you're at an, in a turn and you can push to key charge on key one or key two like there's really not a reason to key charge because it's literally or like you're wasting an amber right like you're basically throwing away one amber mathematically um does it make sense like if you're going if you're like premeditating going hmm i know if that if i stay at six they're gonna just take it with an urchin or something like that and take me off a check then maybe that's why you justify playing a key charge or a chota on a key one or two but like for the most part every time you play a key cheat that has a penalty like key charge or chota no matter how good it is that you got a key there is an extra cost right and the extra cost tends to uh, be expensive um there's a lot of good and a lot of bad key cheats yeah. right yeah i mean i so to me as long as I'm not taking away my end game, right? If if let's say I can cycle my deck, I know I'm gonna be able to get back to this card, or maybe I've got both a key charge and a Shota or right? something. Mm-hmm. I, I'm okay with playing that for that one cost, so they can't, uh, you know, urchin away or or lash of broken dreams or something might jack my cost up like uh, later on. Like I'm I'm okay with uh, going ahead and, and forging it. Mm-hmm. It's only if it takes away my end game, where now I don't know how I'm actually going to win the game. That's where it's it's you know big caution. Yeah, yeah, and that's I agree with that 100%. But like I'm I, at the same time, like I'm I'm thinking like you know there's there's cards like like just paying extra for anything is usually just a bad thing that's the reason why like might makes right is pretty easy to pull off like uh with brobnar right but like it might might makes right is 
taking creatures off, taking 25 power off the board. Um, that's quite sure. a bit. If you're not closing with that, then you're definitely setting yourself back. And this is like goes to that gain attrition philosophy that I always talk about for me, um, where it's just like look at it and it just feels bad if it's not the third key, right? Like it, it just feels yeah. bad because like I feel like I'm giving up too much back to my opponent, giving them a, a window, right? Um, Epic quest, kind of similar to where it's like it's so slow and so awkward in the way that it plays that like it just seldom feels good to, to, to get there. It feels great when you do it, right? Because you're like, yes, I completed oh, yeah. the epic quest. But it, <laughs> when, 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 and it, from a competitive standpoint, most of the time it's going to be kind of weird and slow, right? Um, only time I think epic quest would be great is like if you have like a board of Sanctum guys out that you can play the epic quest to put them in archive and then you follow it up with like a... Um, um, what's the, the, the spirit spirits way <laughs> like mm-hmm. in, in like board wipe them while your, your, your knights are hiding away in the quest. Like that's pretty cool. Yep. Like, uh, that'd be pretty neat. And I'm sure that happens, but like on the, on the general epic quest just feels slow. Right. Um, yeah, it, what it's, a, it's very hard to have that good epic quest deck, but, yeah, but yeah. yeah, it's, it's a fun card. Like I've definitely purchased some mediocre epic quest deck just because I wanted to mess around with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, and then you have cards like redacted in obsidian forge right like uh redacted um early on redactive is pretty good because you can kind of naturally put pressure on your opponent and that's like a key that's like looming right and if they don't have artifact control you're like it's real good right but um in obsidian forge is like one of those utility um artifacts where it's like even if you're not using it to make a key it has tools because you're killing your harbinger with it or you're using it to you know to sacrifice something that you want to get off the board like maybe a brand or whatever um obsidian forge has other uses that go with it and it makes a key so that's why i think obsidian forge is fantastic and it gives you amber like pretty pretty solid like if i'm ranking like my favorite key cheats i think obsidian forge might be number one for me um because pretty good it's it's pretty amazing right um what else do we have? Oh, in the new sets, right? Like, there's been a resurgence with Data Forge, right? Data Forge used to be kind of good, but now I think it's actually super good um, with the yes. new lo- the way Logos is now. Um, and then they've also added Honor's Kesis, which is really easy to pull off most of the time in Logos as well. So, like, that's interesting. Um, those are interesting dynamics because you see, like, how Data Forge back in, like, what was it, AOA, I think? Like, where it first came out and uh, stuff? No, or was it, it World's Collide, maybe? Sure worlds collide yeah, yeah. okay worlds collide you could do it but it wasn't as easy right? yeah you, it you wasn't a lot easy. of tau tau you needed a lot of ed eye or something yeah 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 so like yeah it was definitely worlds collide you're right um because like i remember because it came with ed eye and all that stuff and you had to have a very specific type of data forge and then you got one off right but now with think twice and stuff and all the crazy locos stuff like you can literally like yeah. yeah like you can you can literally make three keys in a turn like um in this game again because of data forge and think twice and you know just the amount of craziness that logos can do so um it's pretty interesting right so when we're talking about closing a game yeah. with a key cheat like uh, to sum this up part up is that like key cheats are great end game cards right like no matter what they are like because um at, in, at the end of game you don't care about the price um so in a segue to that let's let's talk about another thing that happens um with uh closing out a game is one of the ways you can do that is by locking your opponent down with like card advantage right um if you're playing the card advantage side of it um it's interesting because like one of the cards that I, I wanted to talk about here is is the universal key lock. A lot of people ask me, they're like, well, you play that mm. card a lot. And I'm like, yeah, I really like it. And they're like, well, when is the optimal time to play a universal key lock? And I'm like, well, the optimal time to play a universal key lock is obviously when your opponent is at nine amber. 
um, you play it and make them pay the extra three. That's half a key extra they had to pay for a key. Um, straight value. Another time that I like to play it is when I'm at two keys and my opponent's at one key. I play it, snap play it almost every time because I figure... Yep. If they are going to pay the extra amber to pay for the universal key lock, that's putting me in a place where I can have six to seven, eight amber um, waiting. And then when they make that key, now I'm in, I'm instantly pressuring them to end the game, right? So um, it's 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 basically like just understanding your position in the game and basically taking the advantage where you can make it, right? And and universal key lock is a great end game kind of card in the sense that like you can really put that like that kibosh on them like um by if you're ahead and getting value and stuff like that it's not as good when you're behind obviously but um you know i, I like that and um that goes with all the kinds of the things that you can do with like archiving and like with taxing um there's a lot of taxing and stuff what are your favorite tax cards favorite tax in terms of like key like tax and whatnot. yeah like edi yeah. everybody knows edi yeah. like he's pretty everybody loves the edi yeah you know <laughs> edi is great right because you get to archive and then uh increase the key costs of of you know for your opponent and, uh, and you know having multiples just multiplies the cost of those keys right so that's mm -hmm. that's just super super powerful right so it gets two things that are great right mm -hmm. um there's other ones that are good too, right? There's, how do you uh, feel? How do you feel about the new one, the port, the portal monger? It's a rare, so we don't see oh, it as much. You know, but I so found he's been decent. Yeah, so I I don't have him, but uh, he's he's kind of similar to Pismir in some ways, right? Like he's yeah, he's annoying. He, yeah, he's he's like only in effect in certain conditions. Um, and I think originally I was thinking like, oh, you know, it's it's very very similar to Pismir, but like mm -hmm. the more i think about it it's, uh, because it's it's trying to mess with your opponent and force them to uh sometimes force them to uh to change the tide mm -hmm. um let me make sure let me check this out real quick make sure i'm thinking about the text correctly on this guy yeah as long as the the tide is high he's plus four but the yeah. good thing is is that you can always set that at the end of your turn so your opponent is right. always paying plus four to it right yep. that's your option yep. Um, it's kind of like um, that uh, Lieutenant uh, Val Val Valmor or whatever. I can't remember. Walmart. As some people joke Valmart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lieutenant uh, Valbart. Um, that card is really, really good um, because of two things. One, it taxes, right? Like it comes in and it does the tax as long as it's high tide, etc. But the other cool thing is he's a sign, like uh, whatever the alien is or whatever it is. I don't remember. But Valbart is basically a scientist. So oh, is he? Okay. yeah, so when you play it with that. when you so when you play it with a say rooftop laboratory, you're getting a plus six to it coming into play because it's gonna come in untapped and then you're gonna reap or fight with it, right? And then get the plus six. So that card yeah. is that card has some like some like some sneaky sneaky uh, hidden values um, because of the way that it's labeled. Um, so that's an yeah. interesting thing as well. And that kind of segues us into the idea of ending a game by unforging keys and getting advantage, right? Like since we're talking about uh, card advantage, there's also yeah. board advantage. And one of the ways, the new ways that has, have come out, quote unquote new, is the break key combo. Uh, how do you feel? Or not the break key combo, the rooftop laboratory. Break key is horrible. Um, <laughs> rooftop la rooftop laboratory we'll, we'll uh, talk about combo. That yeah, the, the rooftop <laughs> laboratory combo uh, that they put out in Dark Tidings is an interesting uh, meme. 
<laughs> to me. Um, yeah. I, I think it can be really, really good. Most like if you get the right kind of layout for it, but like um, for the most, yeah. for the most part, it's going to be pretty interesting to see how people adjust to it. Like, I think it has potential, like, but I don't think it's been overly played in a way that has been great. Um, Dave will be the quick one to point out in our dark tiding event that we had that um, all of the, um, rooftop laboratories had a success rate of a hundred percent to the top eight so um because there was only two in the tournament and both of them made top eight but um but uh rooftop laboratory um has has potential like a lot a lot of potential and there's a lot of cool scientists and stuff that come in with it like i said the valmore thing is really cool edi is a scientist uh you have pi sevenson is a scientist like um bilge warden is a scientist so like there's a lot of really cool cars that you could put into that combo and um the the, the power of that is, is like by breaking the key and clearing the board like you're controlling like something that is just crazy because that's basically a plus six amber advantage to you just by doing that but it's just in a different way right yeah. I think, how do you yeah. feel about that combo it, i think the combo I, is so pretty cool i so i think it's a ton of fun mm-hmm. right i i think that uh you know this the key cheats too that we were talking about before they're just so much fun like to have them in your deck to be like oh i'm gonna try to do this thing Mm -hmm. it's just it just makes it fun um i think that it's right you need a lot of help i think to make rooftop laboratory and and really write the the groundbreaking discovery right the 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 trigger for for blowing up your opponent's key like you need help right in order to make this happen right because it's four Mm -hmm. cards you need to gather um it's it's right You, you got a big deck there so you need some um, you, you need some efficiency to get through your deck, um, right? You maybe need ways to, to archive cards and whatnot uh, um, so that you can hold on to these for later so you can actually try to do the thing. But there's some fun stuff you can do with um, uh, with the rooftop laboratory in the process, right? You can get them out. You can archive away pieces of it. Then you can play out your Professor Garwains, right? And you can pull it mm-hmm. in your hand and then play it out, right? So, mm-hmm. um, um, so, so that's fun, right? Mm-hmm. I have a deck that's a uh, that, that I've been having a lot of fun with. It's got uh, the the rooftop laboratory. Then it's also got two uh, Unity or Discords. So, like, that's that's kind of a fun thing where you can. You can play out Doctor Volker, and then with the uh, reckless experimentation on him, and you can just pull a Unity or Discord out of your uh, discard pile, put it in your top of your deck, play it to mm-hmm. bounce Doctor Volker back to your hand, mm-hmm. to then just keep doing that. So like, so that's fun. I don't know. This is fun stuff with this. It's fun. Yeah, this is kind of like an advanced form of the old like. Uh hammer lash combo from coda like where you like play key hammer give them back their six amber and then you like hit them with the lash so they can't make their key and then you try to steal key you know steal the amber the next turn kind of thing um and uh but this is a much more sophisticated and like like it shows the evolution of the process like right like coda zuri like one two punch and now it's like a little bit of setup but way bigger payoff right like if you get there um and um i think people will start to figure out how to get there in a way that is uh is amazing um so we'll see what happens with that um so where do you want to go next i'm gonna let you drive since i've been driving oh you can pick pick one of these areas so um so one of the areas that, or, or one of the ways that you can also win, you saw this 
coming about really strongly in uh, Worlds Collide is 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 really the big board situation, right? To a lesser extent, you saw it somewhat in in AOA, but I think really shined in in Worlds Collide with with Saurians, right? Hey, you throw down a bunch of huge dinos, you know, you ward them with Imperium. Maybe you got Primus Wingus to make them all forty-seven power or something, and just to the point where uh, it's really hard for your opponent to take away your board and stop you from just having a massive reap advantage, right? Mm-hmm. All those wards, they need a double board clear, right? Well, that's a lot harder than a single board clear. Um, and, uh, um, you know, uh, having other things in you warded out there to slow down your opponent as well, right? Combining it with what we just talked about with the Eddies or something, or maybe Sensor Chief Garcia's in order to uh, make your opponent's keys cost more. Um, just basically uh, having a big advantage that your your opponent can't overcome, allowing you to win. Yeah, and oddly enough, like I think the best closer like ever in any of the sets was Gateway into Arise. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, obviously you need tools that go with that. Like there's a lot of, you know, creatures that go are part of that deal. Like you want to see shoulders, drumbles, charrettes, whatever. Um, you know, things that are going to take, take it, take, uh, take it to a new level. Um, I really like when you like jumble and then follow it with a terror, like that's a huge like push swing. Yeah. But like, um, like gateway arise was like interesting. Cause like, uh, what I think happening in Coda was we saw a gateway and then they were like, Oh, gateway is too strong, obviously. Right. It's just winning too many games and stuff. And what they failed to think about was that arise was actually the thing that was overpowered in it. Right. Because of putting those two things together, they just turned into a super synergy. And, um, I okay. think you saw it go to unlocked gateway. Right. And everybody was like, Oh, this is a, a better, you know, this is an updated version of Gateway, and then people realize, eh, unlocked Gateway isn't really like changing what Gateway used to do, right? Like, and then you've seen them kind of regress back into the Gateway uh, <laughs> because they're just like, we realize that we just not, we just can't let Gateway and Arise happen because there's no way you should be able to clear the board and then repopulate it like instantly with the creatures right that you just killed <laughs> like um and yeah. uh it was just interesting like uh, i always thought that was the most powerful closing combo in the game but mm-hmm. i could yeah. be wrong yeah it's good know. it's definitely it's definitely up there right you, you reap for a bunch then you blow everything up then you replay and steal and capture and just yeah how right. does your opponent recover from that and then you close it with control of the week <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like game Which over is, uh, yeah, so disruption, right, is another big area, right? Being wow. so disruptive that you're just gonna gonna lock down the game, right? So, control the weak is is one of the big ways to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Forcing your opponent into a house that you know that they uh, can't play much of, or you know they don't have Ember Control in this one house, right? And mm-hmm. you're you're pushing up towards towards your third key, right? You you hit them with this, right? Or um, uh, maybe you're just forcing me into the same house over and over again with multiple control of the weeks. Um, yeah, the, the Dave Cordero special, right? The Screaming Cave control of the week lock. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. used to love that. Probably still it's does. Strong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really it's, good. It's, it's real strong. Yeah. And then, like, control of the week is, is, you know, was a common in CODA, so there's a ton of it running around. Mm-hmm. A bunch of other good stuff there, too, though. Restigantis. Right? Rare, I think, but uh, I think that one's lost some value with, with mass mutations and stuff, though. It has the damage pips, but still a very damage. potent, still a very potent card, especially if you have yeah. ways to recur it. 
you know, it's always going to die to a, to, um, not a screaming cave, a uh, fangtooth cavern. Or, right? a, so, or a damage pit. Yeah, yeah, so... Um, <laughs> it's a little yeah, bit Yeah, tricky. even if you fully lock the person out, right, screaming cave, or uh, not screaming cave, fangtooth cavern's still going to do the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but then, like, hey, just things like, you, you combine these with things like ember imps, so they can't, uh, you know, populate the board too quickly, or they can't come back or play mm-hmm. enough actions to, to help themselves out. A lot, a lot of great stuff in, in DIS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which and- now has gone away. Right, because that's unfathomable. <laughs> yeah. And unfathomable does a different kind of disruption, right? Like their disruption is all based on like recur, re- reoccurring events, right? Like they're basically going, you're just gonna keep doing it over and over. And it's like it fits the theme, right? Because it's a tide theme, right? So the idea is like I think of like like you know how like when you get caught in the tide, it pushes you forward, it pulls you back, it pushes you forward, it pulls you back. I think they've nailed it with unfathomable as far as that feeling goes with things like tidal waves and the brain drains and the maelstroms and the storm surge and like these cards are all super potent and then you have sleep with the fishes to go with the uh the uh what is that safer not safer sorry that's the shadows one there's a sink or swim yeah sink or swim um like you know there's just so many ways and like in um they have they can be bad like the problem with unfathomable is like you can get a bad like lay it kind of feels like almost like I I, I, I I loathe to say this idea, but it feels like Coda Brobnar in the sense mm-hmm. that like you can get the perfect lineups where like it's it, it's in sync and everything is 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 pulling in the same direction, but sometimes it can mm-hmm. be pulling in two separate directions that don't have the right tools to make it great. So sometimes Unfathomable feels really bad, but then there's times where you're just like, man, this is such a smooth house, right? Like this is like so good. Um, so. I know you said I know you haven't had a lot of experience with Unfathomable yet, but I'm telling you, yeah, when you, I mean, when you, when you hit the sweet them, spot, but, uh, when, when you hit the sweet yeah. spot, they feel so good. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't yet have a deck that can consistently hit the sweet spot, right? It's uh, mm-hmm. sometimes I'll play it and be like, oh yeah, cards came up in the right order and it was great, and sometimes I'll play it and be like, hmm, well. I, I can do a ton of stun this turn, but like my opponent has two creatures out, right? Or or uh, or exhaust, right? Um, I, it just I don't know. So far, hasn't felt consistent enough for me to feel like uh, you know. Thank goodness I have have this uh, um, exhaust mechanic. The the I don't know deck poisoning or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to call it. Like when you're putting stuff on top of the opponent's deck, that feels a little stronger, right? Being able to. Uh, mm-hmm. Maelstrom, Maelstrom, being able to bubbles, drain. right? Yeah, brain drain, mm-hmm. right? These that feels a little better. Um, so, I don't like, know. I like, I, like I said, I think, I think it's, I think it's, I think, I think you're, you're, you're separating them like that. They can't be together, but in truth, it's like they all kind of work together in weird ways once you figure them out. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's a very it's a very fun house. Like, um, and when you get the right line of, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Um, mm-hmm. I got lucky, like with Shaman Eck, like, uh, you know, like 68 SAS deck, that's it. But it's win rate is like up around 80 for me. Like it's really, really good. Um, it does have like its weaknesses, like every other, any deck would, but like, sure. you know, across different decks and stuff like that, it's been very, very solid and very good. And the more I play it, the better I'm getting with it, which is interesting. Cause like, um, not interesting. I guess it's expected, right? But there's just so sure. many things that I keep... Even now, like, tonight I was playing it, like, there was something that came up and I went, whoa, 
I never thought of that. That's sweet. <laughs> like, you know, like uh, the deck just keeps getting better and better. And I guess that's, uh, you know, in, in the vision of uh, of Dr. Richard Garfield, right? Like uh, to uh, mm-hmm. just find a deck you love and master it. And uh, yeah, I'm in that Discovery. boat. I'm in that <laughs> boat right now with uh, this is the first time I think I've ever had a deck where I felt like um, I wanted to master it. Right. Like I like I just mm-hmm. enjoy playing it. And I don't want to walk away from it. And um, I think that uh, I think that Unfathomable makes that happen for me because it's the perfect setup and then i have the the safer sorry to just use my shadow creatures to come out pop in then push them into the archive and now i have like four to six creatures in my archive you know um i have archive manipulation and from logos and stuff i have like theory and conjectures i have the toy think twice like it's just so many things that fit together and then when you figure out the lines and i think that's why sass is having a problem with um, Dark Tidings is because I think that the, the the combos that are in Dark Tidings are deep, like, and that's not a pun. Like it, the the idea is like, they're, you're looking you're looking at like lots of cards. You're you're having lots of cards that are basically trying to pull in the right direction, and when you line it up right, it's it's amazing. So the easier that you mm-hmm. can get to lining it up, the better the deck is, right? That's why I think that the yeah. real I think that the real superstar house in Dark Tidings, and this is a hot take I guess, is Star Alliance. It's not anything Logos or anything like that because Star Alliance is one of the most enabling houses in the set with all the uh, the synergy that it pulls from other houses and lets you play other houses during their turn. And like with the Togethers and the Esprions or whatever they're called and the Jerichos and stuff, those it's cards good, yeah. th- those cards yeah. are doing work um, in, in, in decks from what I've seen. And uh, I'm, I'm, and when you put that with the logos, which is logos is definitely explosive. Like it's definitely the quote unquote best house, um, because it has the most end game result, right? But as far as utility goes, and just being superstar, like Star Alliance is super good, super good. And then like Unta- yeah. and Untamed has that bursty, you know, that bursty feel to it, but it's very glass cannon to me. Um, but Star Alliance is just steady. Like super steady. Like I, I, it's hard to get bad Star Alliance in this set. And like things like Z Force Agent, they're making comebacks now because like, who doesn't want a Z Force Agent, where you can like, you know, maybe get an unfathomable set with a chosen one like I have and put a warding at the beginning of your turn, ward this creature, on a chosen one, mm-hmm. and your opponent never untaps again because the ward takes all the damage from the tapped creatures and goes, nope, not gonna happen, and you just rinse and repeat that. Like that's nuts. Like uh, that is crazy. So Star Alliance is, is Star Alliance is is, I, is is just silly. I do really like Star Alliance in this set, and and I've always loved Star Alliance. Now I did mm-hmm. think in um, uh, they'd come down a little bit in in Mass Mutation from where they were in Worlds Collide, but uh, um, you know I think they're well, they're back if you will. I don't know. I think they're really good in in Dark Tidings. Mm. Um. Hey, actually, speaking of Star Alliance, there's uh, there's another category of uh, sort of endgame closers, if you will, that um, we have down here. And that's basically, can you figure out how to just play your best cards over and over again? Right? And, and so there's sort of two different ways to do that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, one of them is sort of the Star, uh, you know, the star Alliance shenanigans, where Basically, you figure out how to just play Star Alliance over and over again, power through all the rest of your cards by discarding them and archiving or whatever, or playing them out uh, through Kirby or you know uh, Helmsman Spears through Information Officer Gray, right? New set now. You've got 
you know, things like Diplomatic Gong to let you use the stuff you already have on your board, but basically just make it really, really advantageous to just always call Star Alliance. And this this can be a huge advantage, right? Because because right, your opponent is is thinking about well, do I call this or that or the other thing, and mm-hmm. and the trade offs of that, and you've just created a scenario where um, you want to always call the same house, and that could be super powerful. Yeah, and I think that another thing that enables the thought that you have is um, a high artifact account, right? Like the yeah. higher your artifact count, because if you're playing artifacts to the board, those are cards that are not getting recycled, right? And like so. Mm-hmm. Um, you can kind of use that to get to that level too, and then like there's like the Infernus advantage um, that comes with like playing Infernus and No Name and stuff like that. I had that one deck that's up for auction right now, um, ends tomorrow. Um, but it is uh, it is <laughs> but it is uh, it's a double Mimic Gel with two, two Infernuses, No Name, like EA, like it, it's wonderful, and um, it is so like what this what, what we're talking about here, talking about advantage. Like you can purge their whole deck, like literally. Um, I've done it and, uh, okay. it's, it's horrible, but it's in French and I can't play it locally. So I'm just going to sell it <laughs> and, uh, I'm selling all my foreign cards. So, um, because my local guys can't, they would blow their brain trying to figure out yeah, translation and yeah. playing and I don't want to do that. And so I'd rather them not collect us. So I'm, I'm going to be running tons of auctions on all my foreign stuff. Um, and that's it. Like, um, yeah. But, well, in fact, like, and you mentioned purging your opponents, right? But you can also furnish your own deck mm-hmm, down okay. to just your best cards, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. and then just play those in a type loop, or just of one, you know, just set yourself up with one house, and then and then get yourself into a really really powerful board state or a card state there. Yeah, and that and that's something that um is a real fine line to figure out when you should be purging yourself and when you should be purging your opponent. Um, yeah. And um, sometimes it's also not best to just purge pips i see a lot of people when they get in furnace they feel they have to get a pip and i think sometimes that's just incorrect like sometimes like depending on where you are in the game like um it's okay to not get a pip out of the infernus if you're purging a card that is crucial or something that's going to come back to really bite you so um you should really be thinking about that as especially the newer players and stuff like that um there's a lot of thought process that goes into infernuses um card is absolutely bonkers overpowered but um it's 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 definitely a thing right <laughs> yeah it took me a little while to learn that um actually one of the things that learned that helped me learn to to purge not just the pips was is uh playing adaptive because mm-hmm. when you play adaptive right you really know your own deck and when they hand you in furnaces i started to realize well wait a second this card over here with a pip i mean yeah it's got a pip but like i really need to get rid of this cleansing wave or i really need to mm-hmm. get rid of this axiom of grisk right mm-hmm. um because that is the thing that's going to kill my deck that i that i have right mm-hmm. and um that was that wasn't initially obvious to me until i started doing doing more adaptive hmm. yeah so like uh you know that i guess the, the the last one that we haven't really touched on that we had uh discussed the pregame was like the idea of mass massive ember advantage like uh, where you're just going to basically rush your opponent um this one is probably the most dangerous closing strategy but the one people like the most yeah yeah it right because you you go out there with right your massive untamed package right you go out there with um, right, cleansing wave, your flex lollops, your your hecatombs, right? Just generate a bajillion ember. Uh, your triple but, hunting witch, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But 
it's dangerous, right? Because if your opponent's got a, too much to protect, or they've got, um, you know, a doorstep to heaven, or or, or any you know, amber then... control. <laughs> yeah, well, any scaling amber control, right? I mean, you right. know, onesie twosies, right? Like you got to power past those, right? You got to mm-hmm. power power past a couple sea urchins or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, but but right, if they've got the, the, submersive the... principle. Yeah, yeah, that's the, where the, it gets dangerous. Those decks that play like like you know like pieces, like they take back pieces at a piece, uh, one piece by one piece. Like those are ones that you can go, yeah, I'm all in. I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna blow them out the water. And it's better to just put pressure on them and make them have the answer, um, and you know just outpace them because um, that's what you have to be able to do. Um, so you put you push that advantage, but then the game does change when they have things like interdimensional graft or they have too much to protect and stuff because scaling amber control can really douse your 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 hopes um with that and then sometimes they also have ways to trap you to make you have to go more right like and make you have to get more amber to put into the pool like a universal key lock or whatnot um but like i don't know like uh it's the it's the most dangerous but it's the one that i think that like when you talk about trap decks and people picking up decks that are traps i think this is the one that traps most people um because they go and they see and they go oh look at all these hunting witches or look at these chelonias with a bunch of witch of the dawns i'm gonna just generate so much amber i'm gonna win that way and that the high roll of that is is definitely um it's it's a feasible thing um but the thing you got to think about is a your deck has to win like that, right? So you have to hit the glass cannon and make it go boom. Um, secondly, um, when you do hit the glass cannon and it goes boom, you have to hope your opponent doesn't have a way to be like, yeah, thanks. Because now you've <laughs> now you've accelerated their game and now you're at a massive disadvantage because you're trying to catch back up, which is something that your deck obviously has the capability of doing, but how much of your bang did you put into that initial burst, right? And like how much did they take out of it? Um, it's it's right. very It's a very tricky trap and like i think it's like out of all the traps that you could have for like decks that like go into the mid game and never find an end game i think this is the one uh, this is the mm-hmm. one that hurts people the most when they're making deck evaluations and stuff like that yeah you, i'm having flashbacks as you say this to me i remember buying and i don't spend a lot of money so flashbacks is not really a lot of the right word but i remember finding this one deck on ebay that i was like this is such an amazing deal for the you know pittance i'll pay for a deck uh, i thought it was going to be amazing and it's a fun deck to play uh for sure but um it doesn't right this is what it does right it's got the triple hunting witch the full moon right your nature's call it's got double loot the bodies and and like Earthshaker, you know and and then a whole bunch of uh, shadow stuff right so i was like this is going to be the best deck ever and i mean it's good but it, it has no key cheats right it'll just burst but then uh nothing really to to back that up with and it doesn't have a lot of ember control itself um so it it uh sometimes i win but sometimes not because i don't really have a way to close out the game other than hoping they can't deal with this huge burst yeah and uh with that said um it's closing time Mm. so so gather up all your (laughs) all your decks all your decks and uh (laughs) i don't know where you're gonna go but you can't stay here um anyway um, I'm not gonna sing it because I don't want to get copyrighted. But like uh, mm. the uh, 
you know, the the time has come. But um, hopefully, these last couple of things, we you know, been able to at least touch on all these concepts. And these are concepts that are going to grow and they're going to become more embedded with you the more you play the game, right? And again, we're we're looking at like the new to to semi new categories, like people. But you know, I know that the pro in the long term players have been listening as well. And um, we're always looking for feedback. We haven't had that much to really adjust anything we talk about or give us points of topic. So this is a really good time to reach out to myself or Drascore about things you want to hear us talk about. Um, as we just we talk as friends, basically, we just chit-chat keyforge. That's what we're doing. And we're basically trying to look at things and tell you things that we've experienced and how they've come out. So... Um, I think it's been a fun series. Like uh, this was this one was a good one. So we'll be looking to uh, to revamp um, soon, um, and be back with you guys um, shortly um, with something different. Um, and who knows what that might be. <laughs> <laughs> but again, don't forget Keyforge Live. Go check it out. Go listen to Archon's Corner um, for more details about that. I'm gonna shout them out until I know, but like, uh, it's gonna be very interesting. Like, um, I think mm-hmm. it's gonna it's gonna be super cool. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to see how how many people they end up with. So yeah, good. yeah, I want to run an event like that in Syracuse. So um, mm. for for New York and New England. So, um, but cool. it, it's I a long drive. To- that's a, that's a, that's a long-term plan, right? But um, part of that is just uh, making sure everything gets out and stuff like that. But um, I know that they I know that their event will be successful no matter what because they have enough local people that will make it happen. Um, but like um, in like in that area, in that where their driving area is. So, um, but uh, it would be really cool for them probably to get some of the guys from Cali. You know, I know Z is really heavily thinking about coming up. If you go over there, that'd be great. I don't think with my kids and time commitments I can do that, especially with summer school for my oldest son and, and Harlan doing his programs. But like, um, but with all that said. Um, could be a great event and uh wookie it will definitely make it bang um i know sheep and, and z and, and and ewok and everybody that's involved sc steel like all good guys they're, yeah. they're super ex- and and girls and uh but uh they yeah, they're absolutely. basically they're gonna be they're gonna be uh they're gonna be doing the best they can to make this a, a very memorable event and sadly um I, I probably won't be able to go i really want to but i don't i can't foresee how i would get there but um with that all said, I'm trying to set myself up to fly our podcast flag when, when we get there. Do we oh. have a flag? Um, <laughs> we should get a flag. We should yeah. make a flag. I'll give uh, you one. I'll give you two. Right. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Like, uh, no, but like, uh, yeah. If you see, if you see, <laughs> if you see, uh, if you see uh, Nick out there, make sure you say hi to him. Um, and cool. if I'm there, always come say hi to me. Um, I, I, I give hugs though, so be careful. Um, yeah, I'm a hugger. But uh, <laughs> with all that said, um, we're right at our hour mark, so we did pretty good. We filled up where mm-hmm. we want to be. And um, do you have anything else that was pressing or that you wanted to put out this week? Nah, no, nah, just keep having fun playing Keyforge, play Dark Tidings, play uh, play Keyforge. Yeah, I think this one's going out instantly because I don't think it was too bad. So I don't think I'm going to edit it because I'm going to be lazy. Sweet, sweet, <laughs> straight from our mouths to your veins. Yeah, it's going to be injected. Or ears. So Something. make sure make sure you uh, check us out Saturday. Come play with us. Uh, get the free quarter. Anybody that goes X in one gets in. So you have six rounds. X one, you're in. That's it. Like it's that easy. So you know when you're done. Like if you hit that X two mark, you're done. Like um, uh, you can still play. We we encourage it. And there are still points for the special prize. Um, that is, uh, that's going to be to the person who scores the most points. And the best part about it is all those people that were already qualified in, in playing in the pay tournaments, they can't play in the prequels, so you can catch them. <laughs> um, so, uh, because they're already 
like this is meant to be a fun prize and stuff like that. It's not going to be nothing super mega, but I will say that um, I'm excited. And if you have the flag, it's if, our podcast if, flag. If you haven't get. figured it out, no, I no. I mean, I, I would make. <laughs> I, I would tell you this. I've seen the prize to where where it is at right now, and um, I You're would right. be very excited to have it as a pod, podcast flag. It is. Okay. Uh, it's pretty fantastic. But. Okay. Um, um, a very cool prize, um, and I think whoever wins it is going to be ecstatic. Let's say that. And if you haven't guessed what it is, then you haven't been paying attention, because I've, I've pretty much told everybody what it is. Um, but you had to be paying attention. So good luck finding the info if you want to go scavenging. But good luck. <laughs> but uh, with that said, uh, I'm Jupiter from Manlius, a.k.a. the Fifth Planet Keyforge. And this is Drascor. Happy forging, everyone. And I'll catch you on the flip side.